0: You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Henry Tetley, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Welcome, guys, to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Um, I've actually been really looking forward to this topic and hearing the insights from an array of guests today. So uh, let's get into the intros. Um, Flo, I'll uh, let you go first.
1: Thanks, Henry, for having us. I think this is a great opportunity to talk about our leadership. I was actually before you started the recording, uh, uh, mentioning the fact that our 10 years ago, I don't think that leadership in tech was as important as it, as it is today. I think that's fantastic that we actually uh, uh, get some space to talk about these things now. So thank you very much. So uh, my name is Flo. I'm currently a CTO of a company called Karma, which, which is essentially uh, an online car dealership. Prior to Karma, I was a leading technology at a data analytics company called Quantium. And before that, that was my friends, my friends' time. So as you can guess with my
0: accent. So yeah, that's about me. Cheers, Blau. Um Eduardo, obviously, over, over
2: yourself. Excellent, thank you very much. Uh, I'm Eduardo, I'm a head of engineer at Prospection. So I work very close with the engineer managers and supporting them in terms of the processes and uh, methodologies and things that we do to get a better engineering practice uh, running.
3: Cheers, mate, and Matthias. Yeah, hi. My name is Matthias. I am uh, the head of technology in the company Cluey Learning. We help kids gain more confidence in the school school life, school work. So we do online tutoring, one to one, and um, so we're basically an in, in, in ed tech. And so technology is a big part of of what we do. So very integrated with everything the business does. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm making sure that we have the right way to orchestrate our collaboration making sure that we eliminate misunderstandings misconceptions like how can you expand the mindset of the people and have processes supporting that we get the same mental model for everything so um yeah it's a big challenge and and i think what is so interesting is that um i started in tech being a developer and stuff like that and and the more i went deeper and deeper into technology and wanted to figure out why did this project go wrong like what the more I ended up in the technology of humans being the essence, right? So, so I've been so, I'm so deep into technology that now I feel like the the, the technology of human minds is really the interesting area uh, to work on.
0: Yeah. Cheers, mate. And, um, and and last but not least, Alex, over to yourself.
4: Thanks, Emery. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, my name's Alex. I'm head of engineering at a company called Cloudwave. Um, so we actually make a SaaS contact center product which basically lets contact center agents take calls, chats, emails through various communication channels so that they can help their customers. Um, I'm I'm actually part of quite a small team um, so this topic is uh, really important to me actually. It's, it's, it's a big passion of mine. It's very important I guess from my perspective to kind of be hands-on through all my roles and career-wise that's been quite a big Focus for me to be lean and mean, and still on the tools. Um, especially also kind of coming from a, a heavy developer background, both kind of at work, but also in my spare time.
0: Cheers, mate. Yeah, it should be um, a very interesting uh, topic of uh, discussion today. Um, as I say, with an array of, uh, of guests from from different different backgrounds and, and different levels of, uh, of teams. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, great to have you guys on. Um, so. Today, obviously, we're going to be talking about how do you become an effective engineering manager but stay hands-on. So uh, to kick things off, uh, Flo, um, what does being hands-on really mean?
1: Yeah, thank you, Henry. I think that's a great question to kick us off. Um, And to be honest, this is a question that I'm asking myself probably every day for the last uh, five years. Obviously, prior to be, uh, being CTO at Karma, which is reasonably a small shop, we're around like our 15 engineers. Uh, I was leading teams of roughly 100 engineers uh, in my previous job. And basically, you uh, defining exactly what should be my hands-on contribution and how much time I should allocate to it was the big, big uh, centerpiece for me. So obviously, there's the, the obvious writing code as a uh, being hands-on. That's probably the first thing that will spring to mind uh, when you mention that to our technologist. However, I'd say there's probably some variation around what means writing code. You could write code alongside squad and be yourself on the critical path, working basically on user stories and features with the team. Uh, that obviously is quite quite interesting, but as well can kind of have some downsides in doing that. Uh, but as well, you can do squad facilitation. So you extract yourself, you still the right code, but you're not necessarily on the critical path. You do more exploratory proof of concept uh, type of activities. You can do as well continuous improvements. So like for example, work on the CI pipelines, uh, all of these things for me are really like writing code and being quite hands-on in the team. But there's other thing that I, I feel are absolutely right to be considered, uh, such as code review. Uh, code review, we all know now with our, our focus on quality and governance of our own asset, which is the code, how people told this is and therefore really injecting yourself early on in reviewing code gives you like a platform to still be very, very close to the code base and as well train your younger team members, give feedback, which I think is a great way to elevate yourself uh, as a leader as well. You have as well like a all this congruent topic in our world know, such as architecture. Like I personally think that still being are able to craft architecture documents and lead architectural conversation is actually being hands-on. Like you actually to do fit-for-purpose architecture design, you need to have that proximity with the code base. You need to understand exactly what I mean. So I would as well consider that doing architecture and quality architecture, fit-for-purpose architecture for your team is as well a uh, part of being hands-on. Finally, I'd say that another way to stay close and sharp is probably doing strip-out. Uh making sure that actually you have constantly an eye on the production indicators. Writing those indicators yourself could be as well a good way to uh, uh, keep your hands dirty and uh, uh, make yourself available uh, and stay close to your team. So I'd say like a, it's not exhaustive. There's probably a range of variation of ways you could actually stay hands-on uh as a software engineering lead uh or type of leadership role um but i would say yeah that's, those are probably the main one that i think are should be considered as part of that conversation knowing that as well um not necessarily all of them are appropriate depending on the size and growth and scale of the organization obviously being hands-on for a shop of 10 engineers is fundamentally and should be different than when you're actually managing 100
0: plus engineers mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, cool. I appreciate that one, Flo. Um, Eduardo, what are your thoughts?
2: Yes, I believe mean, uh, Flo, comprehensively covered like quite a quite a bit of the important aspects of what hands on means and it definitely like and it might it would be different for like uh, for organizations but for individuals as well. I, I'm always I was always a back-end engineer, like with Java me my favorite language. Uh, I never got into all the modern uh, framework, stacks framework from front end, for example, Angular and uh, React. But for to be a good back end engineer, I've learned uh, AWS, even during the period where I was a manager myself. uh, I wanted to understand, I wanted to be able to have like proper conversations with the the teams. Uh, And the way to do that was just taking my own time, uh, learning a little bit, having conversations, asking questions. So I've never, Uh, afraid of asking questions so I'll I'll keep asking to understand and once you understand deeply like the concept of things you can uh, extrapolate that to other areas as well so I've learned uh, recently I've been doing Terraform to automate AWS so there is always an opportunity to do uh, the learnings up to you to to get yourself uh, a piece of code or technology that you you like just go for it Uh, and yeah whatever you like but don't i don't think you need to know everything that's out there uh, to be a good manager
0: sure okay cool i no, appreciate that uh alex uh, obviously uh, as you you mentioned earlier um being from uh you know being in a slightly smaller, smaller team um you know this is something that's quite quite important to you because it, it does differ to um, and yeah. so, other other leaders and uh, other heads of uh, engineering, heads of technology, with their responsibilities. So, please uh, enlighten us.
4: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess from my perspective, um, what you kind of said, Eduardo, right? It's it's not being afraid to ask the questions. It's it's almost like you can place yourself in the shoes of of the engineers. Um, I think being for me um, in my role in a smaller team, I almost get to experience every part of the engineering process, all the way from, you know, stand-ups to planning sessions to retrospectives. Um, and I'm quite fortunate, I guess, in my eyes to to be able to do that. But I think, um, as Flo also said, it's 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 a huge spectrum of, of things that could be hands-on. It could be, you know, anything from picking up a Jira ticket and working on a specific kind of task towards a feature to yeah, I would need to do a high-level architectural design, I need to do a security review. That's still, you know, it's definitely still hands-on and it, and it definitely is easier if, if you've had the background and you have that understanding of, of what the engineers are doing and you've kind of in that headspace where you're across, say, the technical platform, um, you know, the ins and outs. Um, I think, Chloe, you mentioned about code reviews. That, that's a great example, right? It's I don't necessarily have to be actually hands-on, but to have that kind of awareness of what the team is doing and where they're at so that I can, you know, I can lead in any part of it. And that could even be leading as a, you know, an engineer mentor type role or a senior engineer type mentorship role, if that's what's, you know, if that's what's required. Um, and it, it's kind of, it can almost be, it's it's where the team needs you um, to an extent. That's that's what I've experienced, you know, one week, for example, for me, I can be hands-on fixing a bug because the team doesn't have capacity to pick it up. and And it's a priority. The following week i could do absolutely zero hands-on and it's all planning with a with a senior leadership team so i think a big part of it is is kind of going where you're needed and, and kind of being that solid rock that everyone can kind of rely on you and you can be you know and yeah, be hands-on where you are needed. So. thank you appreciate that alex um uh,
3: matthias what, what are your thoughts do you agree do you, do you disagree can I just say I agree and keep on? No, no. Look, I, I think there's a <laughs> lot of good points, right? And I think I think especially your reflections flow upon, you know, what is it really? I think that was very interesting to hear. I, I think the hands-on really depends on who are you managing, right? So as we said before, it depends on the size. And I think I've been trying to articulate what I, what I think hands-on means. And I think it means to be so close to the details that you're in a position to lead by example. Like... So, so so, if you're a small group and everybody's actually having hands in the code, look in the pipeline, you need to be so close that you can pick up if there's a problem soon or if, you know, there's a constraint, you can actually step in. You don't always do it, but you but you're close enough so you have it, right? And the same concept also works if you have, <clears throat> you know, a, a really large team and you basically have other leaders under you. Like hands-on means that you're so close to their details that you can step in and say, oh, let me just... Uh, take this part so that you can lead by example because I think the leading by example is really part of the essence of what, what I think hands-on it means that you you can do the work right and you can show how things should be done because you're still managing other people and and so so I think this this thing about um knowing how things should be done and then sharing that knowledge and you know co-create that is a really important thing but it's also really tough to do if you are managing people who has very specialized skills If you cannot do the work, let's say it's a very specific technology or like some, some, let's say data uh, pipeline specific tech, right? You you can't just do it. And then the hands-on becomes to be close enough so that you can pick up if there's any challenge, right? Like the hands-on is not just doing the work, Um, but I think, I think it's a really interesting area. And when Knowing when to step in and, and, and step out and, and being the the, the hands-on. Um, and I think what is important is to be consistent, right? Because hands-on can also be micromanaging. But there's there's a dark side to the hands-on, right? Oh, you didn't do it the way I wanted to do it. Let me just fix it for you. Um, so I think, I think consistency is really important if you're going to be a manager that is hands-on in terms of what are the kind of things you're lifting, what are the kind of involvement that you have. Um, so that people know what to expect. Like, is, is this a critique where you're suddenly super hands-on because I, I did did it wrong, or is it just the way you act, right? So th- there's something more to hands-on than just doing the work. It's also setting the expectation for how does it affect you as a manager, like you're, you're, how you're perceived as a manager.
0: Yeah, very good point around the, the micromanaging. Um, that's, that's something that... Um, I it hadn't actually crossed my mind, so it's very very insightful there. Uh, Flo, uh, you, you've got something to add? Yeah, no, ju- just like
1: reacting to what Matthias just said, um, a boss of mine um, once told me that uh, when your uh, boss wants to attend your meeting or jump into what you're doing, it's probably not a good sign. I think it's very relevant in that conversation. As a leader in your organization, you need to be very mindful when you're actually stepping in because you actually, without inadvertently, you could be unwell whining. Uh, somebody, somebody's work or growth initiatives. And I think that's awfully something that we're going to talk about is, uh, as part of a delegation structure. You want to leave room for things to, meet, to not be done your way. And leaving opportunities and room for people to actually fail and retry and experiment. And I think that's something that there's um, a lot of CTO that I've met more in the past than now, I, I find. Tend to be extraordinary, solid technically, but leave very little room for the team to grow. So I think, like, our, when we start approaching this topic around hands on, I think keeping that in mind that this needs to be balanced, obviously, depending on the size of the team. But I feel like as soon as you start managing a team, you need to be mindful of the side effect of you being too
0: hands on. So thank you, Matthias. I think that was a very good call out. Sure. No,
4: thank you, um, Alex. Um, yeah, I yeah, that was a really good one, to ask. Um, Flo, it was interesting you said about undermining because um I actually was thinking of a point around how it almost becomes more prevalent for, for managers to be respectful of the process. Cause I think it can be quite easy to almost step into, you know, help or be part of the team, but at the same time be like, Oh, I don't need to respect this because perhaps I'm above the engineering team. So I think it's really important to, to also be kind of mindful on on the process the way that the team is working and, and to kind of follow that as well Cool. no thank you um and look this this leads on
0: quite nicely to um the the topic of you know is a hands-on manager suitable for all sizes of organizations um eduardo i'll i'll let you uh, kick us off with that one
2: I believe it is, and there are a few factors that we have already mentioned uh, around the the, the the first topic, and that I'll come back to that. So I had an experience to work in a company with a large group of engineers, and then start my own startup, being the first engineer in there. So there is a, like a big difference when you are leading a group of engineers, when you are or when you are in a small organization. I believe it's a given. Uh, it's required that you when you are in a small organization that you're going to be doing that. So the management part on a small team of engineers is, is not that uh, that big uh, for you, and like it's quite expected that you're going to be hands on. And hands on on one uh, one of the things that i mentioned, which is the, the critical path. So things there are uh, part of the application that's like making the company go further or uh, progress. But the, once they start, the, the companies are growing and the teams start becoming bigger. The management part will take more of your time. So, if you commit to do something on the critical path, you need to be like guaranteed that you're going to deliver. Uh, you cannot commit to a task that is uh, planned to be on the sprint and fail because your management activities uh, affected your your timing at the time that you put in the app. So, and but once you are managing the organization start growing, management is your role. That uh, that the rest is like optional or if you have time so I would take myself once I start growing I'll take myself out of the critical path I would never commit myself uh, to, de- to to deliver uh, something that is part of the application part of a feature that other, either like marketing or sales or uh, other engineering teams are counting on so nowadays I still do so my team is a little bit bigger now uh, but I've been working on creating better reports for the engineering team so I'm collecting metrics for all the systems that we have. I put them on a database. I'm generating reports, so I'm doing that. And and, and I try to use the technologies that are available for us. So I'm doing that as, as the best practice that I can. I like could just hack things around. But I'm trying to learn that and take the opportunity to learn. There is no particular time frame that I need to deliver. If I need to speed up a little bit, I can just cut a few corners because that, that won't have any long-term impact to anyone. So. I believe, yes, there is a, a chance for everyone to be uh, hands-on in different sizes of organizations, but you just need to understand what you are uh, committing to.
0: Well, awesome. Thank, thank you, mate. Uh, Flo, what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I feel like uh,
1: Alex has uh, somewhat summarized it by saying that uh, you need to be where the organization expects you to be. And there's an element of aligning expectations here and setting them up. Uh, I feel like as the organization grows, the the set of accountabilities that as a technology leader you have will shift potentially dramatically, and therefore, being having the temptation of staying too hands on might actually hamper delivering on other strong KPIs such as. Uh, uh, fostering an engineering culture in your team, like focusing on quality, security, uh, making sure that your relationship with vendors is properly set, uh, making sure that your architectural principles as well are there for the long, for the long run. The a massive difference between setting up a small shop with a certain scale and all of a sudden your traffic goes 10x and you need to adapt. All of these things needs to be strategically thought about And the more you stay hands-on, there will be all the time that temptation, or I think that side effect, not necessarily temptation, to be too focusing on the detail and not seeing the large picture. By extracting yourself, removing yourself from the critical path, as Eduardo said, allows you to actually take a step back. And actually, this is a figure of style, but actually a figure of speech, but actually that makes great sense. You take a step back, you see actually holistically your software development life cycle. You see where you could actually drive certain initiatives uh, to drive productivity or quality up. You need to understand what lever you need to pull as well. All of these things need time, need to fresh thinking time. And when you are, I, I speak for myself, obviously like obsessed about a specific code problem, I will tend to just see that for a day and everything else will disappear. And I feel as a leader, you need to have, as the organization grows, the spectrum of things that you need to consider grows larger. So there's almost like that tension constant between being too hands-on and uh, being too high level. If you're too high level, you lose track of what your team is doing. You somewhat lose that opportunity to pull the right lever at the right time to readjust things. But if you're too close to the detail, you lose the big picture. And therefore, strategically, your own KPIs as a C2, for example, may be hampered. So I think this is a... A tricky balance, very interesting one, but tricky. So I'd, I'd say uh, not obviously a silver bullet, no no silver answer here, um, but being very conscious. Here I'm spending two days a week in being hands-on, hands-on work. What is that hands-on work? Is that something just a story amongst any story, or is that actually something that is going to unlock potential, potential, um, uh-huh. uh, potential performance, or something that will unlock. Uh, capabilities for the team. And I think the more you grow, the more you should pick very carefully what you're working on hands-on in terms of size and impact.
0: That's what I, what I could say very briefly. So, and I appreciate that.
4: Um, what about yourself, Alex? Yeah, this is, uh, it's fascinating, really. I think that the organization or the business itself has a huge part to play and what the expect, I think, Eduardo, you mentioned about expectations and that me, is one of the biggest things is the expectation of the business. Um, an example would be is you could be completely hands off. You've got a release that's due at a certain time. The engineers have hit a blocker. Do you push out the release by two weeks or do you get hands on and actually co- you know, code with the team to, to, to bring it back on track? Um, and, and I've definitely had times where there's an expectation or um, um, kind of a viewpoint. It's like, yes, actually, for you, for us the priority would be let's get this out rather than taking a step back and thinking about optimizing say engineering process or or planning the next feature we need to get this out um so i think there's a a huge kind of part of this is is almost having the flexibility um to kind of go where the business needs you and and you know i can also imagine a scenario where you have like a very very large organization with hundreds of engineers you might be three four five levels removed from that engineering team and there could be an expectation that you're not actually hands-on so i mean in my opinion i'd love for every technical leader to be hands-on but the reality is some businesses just don't want that it's like don't want you to touch the tools i want you to manage the people um and you know especially on a on a bigger product a bigger team you know the platforms can just get so big that it's not feasible actually to be hands-on at all as much as you want to be and and that's when that finding that balance between being high level and in the detail is really hard because there is too much <laughs> to, to to kind of be yeah. in the detail um so i think it's yeah heavily dependent on the organization and i think that when kind of choosing whether you actually want to go for a role i think this is probably almost the conversation to have right i mean versus you're making your own startup you're defining what it is but it's the kind of thing is, like, what am, where am I happy to go? What am I happy to be do? Am I happy that I'm hands-on now? And then that's going to maybe peter out. And as you said, Flo, I've really got to make really strategic decisions about where to put my time. Because if I choose the wrong thing, it can have quite a big impact down the line. Um, or maybe actually I want to be super hands-on and I want to be on the tools the whole time. In which case, maybe I'm suited to working startups for a year or two and then move on to the next startup so that I can maintain that same level of hands-on on on the tools in every role I'm in? Or do I want to kind of see this role all the way through to as the organization grows and I do maybe need to shift and the business expectations change?
0: Thanks, Alex.
3: Um, Macias? Yeah. Um, Look, I think think something that Flo mentioned was like, if you're too close to the details, you'd lose the big picture. Right? and I think <clears throat> what what is too close. I think that's that's really where it is. So I do believe that hands on is suitable for all sizes of organization, but it changes what hands on mean. I in large organizations, like it it would be like hands on could also be to, to to have such a deep understanding of the work actually being done that you make sure you don't disconnect the strategic level from reality in the day to day work. Like it does to me, hands on doesn't need to meet does doesn't mean that you you're doing programming right. It can also mean that you're so close that you can have a conversation about how are things actually unfolding. So I guess if you see hands-on as you're doing code, you're optimizing and see like if it's in the critical path or not, I definitely think larger organizations that will that is not relevant. Like it, it the time you spent on doing those micro optimizations, um like let's say that you have five hours, right? If you're going to spend that on, on some detail thing, you can help in one little area. If you spend those five, if you if you lose five hours and and you lose track of you know a, a larger picture, uh, then the impact to the business is much much larger. So you can see that the size basically amplifies the value of your time. So so it becomes more important that you don't miss that balance. The larger the the, the team is, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and that that leads in, uh, you know, quite nicely to to what Alex um was was wanting to discuss around, you know, how do we maintain that balance and um and you know, letting the the teams make mistakes and grow but whilst also remaining hands-on. So, um Alex, I feel like you'll you'll be the best best person to uh, to follow on from that one. Okay.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um I I think that well, for me personally, it's it's a challenge. It's an ongoing challenge on um, as I kind of you know previously mentioned i I am kind of heading up a smallish team we're about five six engineers so there is a big onus on me to be quite hands-on um and i guess with that you know you are in the detail as you mentioned Flo, you know i i'm observing everything you know almost observing everything while you know making sure to micromanage is is observing everything and that also comes you know comes with the mistakes it's with the difference being that from an engineer's perspective, if I make a mistake, there's not a huge amount of impact. From my perspective, I guess I also have that high-level view where I go, "Well, this mistake," and then I can see the knock-on impact of that, and it could be related to a release, it could be related to the business deliverable, and I can and I can kind of see that mistake. So for me, it actually becomes even more of a challenge to kind of assess, you know, or, or rather to make it um, to, to make it okay that that the team can make mistakes and grow, and then effect- effectively setting the team up for success. Right where it's this open collaborative environment where they're not afraid to speak their mind they're not afraid to fail they have they have that space to kind of do that and everyone's okay with that um, and part of that is is i think is not only kind of team culture it, it is also leading by example where you know even as a leader you make mistakes we all make mistakes and no one's perfect right it's i can make mistakes and i can own up to them and then i can share my learnings to encourage that kind of behavior in the team as well as almost kind of Training your organization also to be open, right? Because there's no point in in be, in, you know, kind of at the leadership level being okay with mistakes for the for the level above you to then be, you know, absolutely clamping down on any possible mistakes because there's potentially a lack of understanding. So it, it's almost that it kind of can come down to this, um, can come down to a, a culture, and I think we've talked about in past lead by example, you know, and, and having that balance, and 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 again. Uh, a topic we've also talked about is is kind of our time is worth different kind of weightings, you know, depending on the size of the organization. Is this a you know if, should I delegate this because actually, as as kind of Matthias said, it's it's it these five hours, right? Yes, I could prevent a mistake or yes, I could do this myself uh, do this myself, but ultimately, it's it's worth more to delegate it, which also empowers the team. They are more motivated. They're being trusted. They can make the mistakes themselves and learn from them internally. And, and you can just kind of lead by by that um, example and just build that respect and build that trust and, and that culture.
0: For sure. Thanks, Alex. Uh,
3: Mathias, would you like to uh, to respond? Uh, yeah, well, look, it's not a response. I'm just adding it. Really. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's super valid. Um, I think... Letting the team learn is also a lot about, as a manager, recognizing how do we support this group of people in becoming better and more independent? Because hopefully you're you're moving towards a situation where you're not going to stay hands-on all the time, right? So there's a long-term plan of how you see your role now, what is needed now, and and how would you like your role to evolve and and the role of the team, right? So so striking the right balance between, uh, you know, Empowering the team and then making sure things are ready is really about making sure the team members are ready and competent so that we allow them to grow. It's really tough because you really need to be close to these people because you also you can't have too many mistakes, but you also need to 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 let go, right. Um, but I, I really I, I thought about this analogy with with the double slit experiment where they um, it's very famous in the quantum physics where they figured out if you observe an electron, it starts behaving differently. There's some really good videos uh, online, but and it's really breathtaking. The point is, as soon as you start engaging as a manager, you change the group dynamic. And I think it's really important to really reflect on your own. What does your presence do to the group dynamic, like as a manager, right? So it's really looking into yourself So that you can find that right time to let the team learn because you just existing in that meeting means that other people will not take over because there's a habit of you doing it right so there's habits how do we get out of it so i think as a manager you really have to be aware of what does my presence um change in this dynamic right and that's a really tough one because you want it done right, but and you can't do everything, and especially I think Alex, you're in really interesting size. Look, you were what six, five, yeah, six people, seven. Same. Yeah. So, so that just just that's kind of a step, right? But if you add two or three people more, that's a totally different dynamic because the, the overhead and you know the, the the whole the the way things are done are very different. So your role will be, will be very different, right? So you start to to really have to reflect on, does it make sense that I'm part of this meeting, or does it not? Because I want the team to take more of like, it. So there's some really interesting things there, but I think it's about self-awareness and understanding what what does it mean when I get ha- become hands-on? How does that change or limits the team's ability to actually grow? Yeah, yeah thank-
1: thanks, mate. Um, and uh, Flo, over to yourselves. Yeah, thanks, are uh, Matthias. or uh, I was not expecting to hear about the wave corpuscule duality here uh, uh, as part of that conversation, but uh, a little quantum physics refresher is a, a, always welcome. <laughs> um, like, listen, <laughs> the, 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 there's there's been just so much said already that um are, are probably not massive build up to do on that on that question around delegation. The way our, uh, I generally frame it and see it is um, having a delegation, an efficient delegating structure, unlocks. Two things. The first one is individual individual growth that we obviously touched on quite a lot uh, by allowing people to uh, take their own initiatives, do their own things that will obviously um, create a feeling of autonomy and as well uh, risk taking is essential when you want to step up as a leader or step up a role in the organization. And obviously our delegation helps with that. But as well, it's uh, about scaling leadership, right? Because as a leader, regardless whether it's a technology leader or not, your role is to create capabilities. And one of the big vectors for enabling the creation of capabilities in an organization is leadership. When you're actually creating those delegation structures, that means that elevating certain people to take your role as decision maker or fostering that culture to make decisions, because obviously in our world, it's never... Uh, the boss that said the architecture is like that and everyone follows, it's way more collegial, or I hope it is for most of you. Um, Creating these structures very early on in your shop will allow you to scale organizationally. Basically, as soon as now you add three, four, five engineers, that doesn't necessarily matter that much because you've already built a bit of that muscle of delegating the right way. Again, as exactly the same way as when you pick up a hands-on task, the way you delegate and to whom you delegate and what you delegate needs to be strategic and thought about why am I delegating that piece? What are the risks that I'm taking in delegating that piece? Or like maybe the code or the architecture won't necessarily be 100% aligned with what I'm expecting up front. Does, does that matter? Yes, no. When can I, when do I need to re-arbitrate that or realign? Like all of these things for me are really part of your leader Role need trip work around okay, that piece of work I want to delegate it to that person for that specific reason, and I'm taking a conscious risk about it. So that's the only thing that I, I would mention about that. But yeah, like are very good, very good points overall.
2: Thanks, club Um, Eduardo, VC you self, I believe it's quite important that we once you start delegating, we Educate the people. We give them the information on how to be a leader, how to be a manager, how to handle that uh, new activity that they are doing. A lot of times it's it's fairly common that we just throw things on people and expect them to know how to behave. And that's not exactly true. Uh, Delegation is a requirement for a leader. Uh, Like when you start being a manager, like remember that we are managing like three, four, five, six people or even more. You cannot do all that job by other rest. You, you wouldn't need the, that amount of people. So it's important that uh, delegation has to exist, and for that to be effective, you just need to make sure that you tell people what you expect from them, provide them with the tools and the trainings for them to um, like do well uh, as expected. But it's just it's just something that needs exists.
0: Sure. No, thank, thanks, mate. Um, cool. Okay. So, you know, can you be a good manager without being, without also being a leader? Uh, Matthias, what were your
3: thoughts? Um, Yeah, look, it took me many years to realize that there is a a difference between leadership and management. And I'm not talking about leadership as a position that you're provided, like he's a label. Talk about Leading others mostly by example, but also by by you know driving them. Um, and I think you know I, I try to find the most most precise difference, and I think it's the difference between instructing and inspiring. So so to me, um, a manager need to both do management, but they also need to have leadership, right? And they need to realize what is the difference and how can I step between them. So I believe you cannot be a good manager without knowing when to show leadership and when to show you know, actual management. So it's really the question about when do you instruct people and when do you inspire them? And I think you know, there's also something like leading and leadership, it's not something that you, it's not a title, it's something you earn uh, like it's an authority that you earn. Uh, where managers like that's that's off, you know, it's a position of power you, you're responsible for making sure these things happen. Um, and I think, um, I think a lot of people forget to reflect upon how big a difference it makes to transition between those two at the right time. And I think it's about, it's not just about making sure people grow, it's about making sure that you amplify your vision or or your whatever you're driving towards as efficiently as possible so sometimes you need to make sure this is exactly how we do it and there's no question about it right but that that doesn't necessarily amplify the way that 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 you want things to be done so to find that really sweet spot is is really crucial to be a really good manager right so so i think my main input here is yes uh, well, no, you can't be a good manager if you also if you're not also a good leader. Or, or maybe phrased differently, you need to possess both leadership and management in 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 in, in your repertoire in order to do management well.
0: For sure, absolutely. Um, th- that reminds me of a, um, a video I saw on LinkedIn. Um, the, the other day, I can't remember which day it was, but it was uh, essentially this this mother duck with a, a little ducklings following. And you, you may have seen it on your feed. And the, the the mother duck walks across a grate, and obviously, you know, being much bigger, it's absolutely fine. And all the little ducklings fall down through the gap. Um, so you know. It may have been a good path for her but obviously you know for sadly for her ducklings they uh that they, they were lost um so it, it, it's a very good sort of you know representation that you know n- your path might not be the, the perfect path for another another person but they could still flourish in uh, in what they do and you know you, you've got to be able to uh, guide them to do so and, and go down a different way so i thought it was a quite a good representation and a good visual representation um i <laughs> just under that that one in
2: there um eduardo what's your thoughts i i agree with that i believe that the word that i like most uh, that Matilda said is amplify and then that, that was like really, really interesting uh, word that I believe summarized quite a lot is yes, uh, you need to bring your vision to the team. Uh, I had this awful uh, 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 manager in the past, but really awful. And one one time <laughs> he, he said something that I'll never forget. Uh, it wasn't a very weird conversation with another engineer manager. And at the end, the engineer said, okay, I agree. Let's do what you're saying. And he replied saying, oh, now that you agree, it's not what I'm saying, it's what we are saying. Because now we are on the same page. And that's very, very, very important thing. So once you bring everyone to the same page and that requires leadership, th- there's no more debate. Like, we are on the same page and we're gonna follow the same direction and we're gonna understand the reasons why uh, we go that way. So yes, I agree with Matthias. Uh, yes, you need to have management skills. Make sure that like you deliver things and when, when the things are expected to be delivered, but to accomplish that without putting any burden on the team or to uh, burn any uh, uh, connections, it's important to have leadership.
0: Absolutely,
4: absolutely. I'm glad, glad you both agree. <laughs> um, Alex, what about yourself? Mm, yeah. So this, this is yeah quite an interesting one. Um, You know, I would probably bring a contrasting opinion that you could be a good manager without necessarily having kind of leadership qualities. But it's what sets a good manager um, aside from a great one would be those kind of leadership qualities. So, for someone that you know what I mean. So, if you just looked at a manager role and and the basic requirements, could you you know could you do those to a good standard to a good level? You know. Could you build a team that is that is working well together, that is delivering? You know, you're you're managing them well. They respect you. They like you. You could argue yes, you're doing that to a good standard. It's aligned with the business. You know, are you um, are you being that? You know, are you being that role model? Are you being that that beacon? Uh, uh, again, I love that amplifier. Oh, so that's that's it's that's great. I really like that. Um, and no, you don't necessarily do that but but maybe again the business doesn't have that expectation on you to take it to the next level so that's why i would almost yeah controversially say yes you could be a good manager but it's 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 the differentiation between a good and a great manager would be those really really good leadership qualities fair enough
0: awesome um cheers mate uh Flo. yeah um i'd love to um
1: propose suggest um An alternative dichotomy to their usual manager versus leader, which would be, and again, it's not to replace, but probably more to complement, is the one of a coach and mentor. I think the coach is really the person who gives the tools to an individual to realize their full potential, whereas the mentor is the one actually is doing that role of a beacon. I uh, love that that, uh, that reference. Uh, like I think it's very eloquent. Uh, that mental for me is really like the that role model piece, the person that you aspire to be. And I, I personally do think that um, a great leader would have actually a bit of both. Would have that toolkit and that repertoire, as you said, Matthias, to provide the tools for people to elevate themselves and as well be inspiring through their mastery of their craft or the way they behave in an organization, the way they articulate themselves, for example, could be different ways. Um, and I think like our, uh, I think, that just an alternative approach of seeing that dichotomy uh, between our management and leadership, and to come back to our starting point, which is hands-on, I do think that that mentoring aspect of a technology leader needs to somewhat be anchored in having a probing experience or proven experience uh, in the craft. And actually, you need to be able to relate to your leader because that leader either is still hands-on or has been so hands-on and is still visible in the stack that you somewhat actually understand that you know you can relate. So I think that's, our, our, I feel like our, the things are important that I feel in, as a technology leader, there's an element of maintaining yourself credible in the stack. That doesn't necessarily mean, again, writing code yourself, but uh, to be able to to inspire people. And inspiring engineers is very different to inspiring uh, a group of marketers. I think, obviously, like eloquence and being able to really articulate is important, but remaining an engineer by trade and craft. And the way you come across is through that engineering technology anchor is important
0: absolutely absolutely and um, so you, you sort of touched on it a little bit there but um what would you say good looks like for a modern tech leader um, n- now I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you sort of carry on flow
1: i think that will be a uh, massively varying again uh, with the size of the organization um what i would say about that is um the trend at which technology is evolving um Makes us as leaders in our in our field uh, almost obliged to stay curious. I think like that curiosity piece around the craft itself is essential. Whether you actually achieve that, staying fresh somewhat through being hands on actively or less actively, and we discussed about the variation of that, um, is yet to the leader to decide what is good for me to stay fresh. However, at staying relevant in. Today's world where technology is shifting very rapidly, we seeing that with generative AI and so on and so forth, our field is disrupted every five years massively. You need to be able to reinvent yourself and lead in capabilities differently. So I think for me, that's probably one of the most important things around uh, uh, being a good technology leader would be that capability of staying curious. The second point, which for me is, absolutely pivotal um, for a technology leader is managing it. I think we are custodian of risk and the risk of surface obviously varies massively depending on the size of the organization, but I really think that's massive, I think that is all very rapidly uh, dismissed or not fully considered by young technology leader in that being custodian of the risk of an organization and that the risk manifests into obviously data privacy governance cyber risk people risk all of that for me creates a large surface of risk probably more than in other areas i think like like often we compare like a a chief risk officer and a chief technology officer or a cio for that reason because they generally share so much of that risk across their portfolio that that makes somewhat for me at a large organization level they're all fairly comparable i think as you elevate yourself in more strategic, organizational, heavy, from a footprint perspective role, then you might accept that you're going to be custodian of risk. And that is going to bias and influence your behavior. Because it's obviously when you are doing, like, you know, starting Greenfield project, obviously, you're not necessarily considering risk as your first class. It is another thing that basically is, you know, at the center, uh, at the center of the scene every day. But very rapidly, you need to start taking steps so that your risk posture is always in check. Because again, like the, independently from the size of your shop, like you get a data breach, like it doesn't matter if you're small or you're big, like you, like it's tragic for you. So I think that's a, an important aspect for me that I always bring to the table is like that risk uh, management piece for a tech leader.
0: Yeah, th- thanks, Flo. Um, Alex, I could I can see your head nodding a lot there. Sounds like, uh, right. it seemed as though you know you agreed with a lot of that. I'll let you uh, I'll let you you contribute.
4: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that tagline. Stay curious. That's um, I think that's, that's super important. Yeah, I really like that Um Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think there's so many things, right? And and it's definitely what what is good in one organization or one team is definitely does a make it good in another one. Um, there are probably some overlapping things. I think one thing that I have observed both kind of as a developer and then kind of being aware of and um, one thing I find quite important becoming a leader is is kind of being approachable. Um, I think um, a lot of the time, I think in organizations with multiple, especially multiple kind of hierarchical levels, um, engineers don't don't want to approach People that are maybe two times removed they, they don't want to go to those people and i think Matthias said it really well earlier is when you join a meeting that the dynamic changes um and and i've certainly observed that behavior whether it's me with the team and, and any and someone else from the senior leadership team comes and joins i can almost sense the difference in the in the openness um you know the jokes or or and that kind of stuff so i think for me being an approachable technical lead is really important and um, someone that no one's afraid to come come and have a chat with me and speak speak their mind i think is 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 really really good um for me specifically integrate being integrated with the team i've had a lot of positive response to that and i don't think that would work in a bigger in a bigger organization or a bigger team and you have to be very careful but um i've certainly had really good experiences kind of integrating with the team Um, which also has kind of helped with that approachability, right? Where the team knows me very well and I know them all very well and I'm working with them pretty much every day and and that's been really beneficial. So I feel like that could be good for someone that's maybe a leader of a smaller smaller kind of tighter knit team. Um, And then something else which I kind of alluded to earlier, which is is we're kind of leading by example, right? I think I used the word beacon earlier. Um, I think it's you know it's it's again what I kind of said we're not perfect right it's someone who's not afraid to, afraid to kind of share what they've learned here's the mistakes I've made this is why the mistake was made this is how I grew and what I learned from it so like don't do the same thing here you go it's habit for free almost you know be open and and and, and share those because you know you would argue that as a leader you are further along that journey than maybe some of the people that you are collaborating with are so it's like you know take it <laughs> have it i want you to grow and i want you to you know to learn from what, what i've kind of been through um and then finally i would kind of say having that understanding of the engineers what they go through the process being on the ground what they have to deal with um i think it's it's a really good thing to be across because if you are setting expectations Stakeholders or other senior members who might not be technical, I found that there can sometimes be quite a quite a lack of understanding um, of you know of the engineers and what they go through. And this is where we call them the term kind of code monkeys, you know. Um, and and I found that for me specifically, bridging that gap and and really almost being the voice of um, other technical roles or engineers that, that might not necessarily be interacting with other parts of the business, you're almost fighting their fight. Um, and, and and I think that's quite a good value to, to have.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Eduardo, what's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'll try to get a word that encompasses a little bit of what Alex said is trust. I believe building trust, uh, it's a very, very, very important thing. Uh, And that will drive, like, the entire relationship you have with your team. Uh, And that's, like, it's so powerful uh, that, uh, like, any changing behaviors or anything that you cause by being there with, like, a leadership role will disappear. Uh, And it's important, like, uh, yes, if if it's a, a leader is a more experienced version of a manager or, like, with different skills. Uh, that trust will bring uh, different uh, kind of communication with the teams, the, the level of openness that they will have, uh, and that for me will lead to the second aspect of that is quite important: is uh, being consistent. So it's important that the team like understands uh, your feelings, your reactions, your like your the vision, uh, and that shouldn't be changed that often because. it's it's not that often that we have uh, changes in vision in like how you expect things to be. So it, once you start like build the trust and be consistent in the way you react and work with the team, uh, I believe like that enables uh, all sort of things that uh, are positive uh, for the teams. Um, share like make sure that whenever we request something, if it's that if that's breaking a particular. Pattern or a standard that you uh, do, make sure that you share the reasons why. Don't just get there. Hey guys, I need you to do that. It might be a time that you 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 do that. Like, hey, I need you to do that for me right now. Like that's important. You can you, you can share later and have like any kind of conversation later. Uh, but the trust will allow you to have that kind of things once in a while. It shouldn't be uh, all the time, but once in a while you have that the opportunity to do that. So build trust with the team be consistent in the way you act and react uh and share like most of the things that you like that yeah
0: yeah for sure especially you know your point there around um the the purpose for doing something i I think that definitely helps in a lot of cases i mean obviously you know myself not being from a a technical background but um whenever there's been specific tasks understanding the purpose and, and the reason why often helps with the actual process of doing it, um, and it helps you. you know, it just helps with your overall understanding, really. But um, I can see where that's really beneficial from from a technical point of view. Whereas, you know, it's a bit more important. Um, so, so yeah, thanks, mate. Mathias um, yes, what about
3: yourself? Um, yeah, look, so many good things have been said already. So, um, I, I wrote down here like risk, and I, but I think flow really covered that beautifully. Um, maybe a little thing is like I, I really encourage everybody to think about strategic risk, like. Like uh, it took me many years to realize. Like if we keep doing what we do now and we grow, what will kill us? Like what is what is actually you know the constraint that you're meeting. So so I'm not going to go further into that. I think Flo really covered it nicely. But the concept of having strategic risks is something that that took me many years to to reflect on. And then um, I think to be a good technology leader, you, you need to inspire. Uh, a culture of openness, trust, and habits of learning. But I think Alex and, and Eduardo, you guys already covered, you know, those areas. So I'm not, I'm not going to add anything further there. Um, I think it's really important for a good technology leader to be an excellent communicator, like really bridge the gap between technical and non-technical, uh, you can call it stakeholders, like making sure you're able to articulate, first of all, uh, the needs of the business to to technology but also what does technology represents right so 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 what i normally propose people do is like they think about how can you be the voice of tech right like if tech had a voice what would you say how would you advocate for yourself how would you you know um, articulate this is how you guys should, should see me so so i think it, it really taps into um the next level which is to be a really good technology leader you need to understand how technology fits into the overall organization and not just understand it but also have the be the, persistently be the voice of technology so that you, you reshape how the organization sees the tech department right like and, and this is about you know um quality or speed like there's always you know we, we want more things done there's always a priority right and all of those things are perceived Maybe it does make sense that things take so long time because we have all these values. So so really, how can we let technology have a voice where it says, "Look, we did all these things. This is the reason I understand these things." Like, it's not that you have to say it, but how do you create a framework within the organization so that those conversations can happen? Like, look at it as a as a as as a big machine. Technology is part of it, and there's a lot of connecting points. How can we structure that? So, I think that that view on how does tech fit into the organization is important. Um, and then, then I have two more points, and and that is really to say that. Um, being the C level, like often the CTO, right? Like, um, then it's not no longer about just driving the technology. It's about driving an organization together with the other executives, and on the side, you make sure that your department runs well, right? So, uh, if you have, you know, what is a CTO of, of sales? Like the all the C level, like that's really about a group of people that making sure an, an organization or a company. Is running right and behind you you have a department that's running smoothly yes if there's a problem that you need to turn around so i think that that's an interesting um way to see like what is needed from a leader if you're at a certain level you need to be interested invested and really challenging whatever is happening in the business right to the other leaders you can't be a good technology leader if you're only doing tech Mm. right um and then my last my last note here there was a good technology leader keeps making themselves obsolete. What I mean by that, like they have to keep working on making sure that whatever they're doing now, somebody else is growing, somebody else is taking over. Like there's other things. Like you can't just stagnant, stay at the same level. You have to keep growing because that's how you grow the organization, the people involved. Like nobody wants stagnant. And that's really what it means. Everything that you're doing should be either automated, or somebody else should do it, or we create a framework so somebody takes that conversation, right? So, so it, it's really about not staying stagnant because then you're basically moving backwards.
0: Awesome, thanks, mate. Uh, well, look, I, um, I think that just about covers us for uh, for, for all aspects there today. Um, I think there's been some, you know, really good points that have been made, and uh, I just want to say thank you guys for for joining and sharing those insights. Um, and I'm sure the, uh, the listeners would agree too. Um, it'll be interesting to hear you know, their feedback and if, if there's anyone um, who agrees or disagrees. But uh, as I say, thank, thanks again for joining and uh, it, it's been great to have you on board today.
2: Excellent. Thank, thank you very much for organizing that. It was a pleasure and very, very nice to meet you guys.
3: Yeah, it was really a pleasure to hear all the different inputs. I feel we could have a conversation the whole day about these things.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good We could, could, go, could go forever, but um, for, for, the, uh, for the point of the podcast, you know, we've got to keep it nice and precise.
4: <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Henry. Well, um it, it, It's been really interesting for me. Everyone is in very different, or at least even in, just in this group, everyone's in quite different yeah. positions, I guess. Um, so it's nice hearing all the alternative opinions and, and, and different ways of looking at things perspectives are really good so.
3: sure you, you're on mute flow
4: you did the 2020. gonna have to edit this out right
1: always <laughs> uh no like our yeah thank you guys i think that was a like fantastic conversation like you all all had great points. i think our um, that's very good uh, um spectrum of different experiences and viewpoints um yeah like there's just so much to say about it that i agree uh we could <laughs> grab a beer and have a chat which probably we should to be honest next time wow. sydney go that's, that's it on. i think we'll the
0: next one in person with a creative beer <laughs> uh, no, i'm really
1: pleased to hear like the level of maturity that tech leadership has i think acquired the last few years um like, like having like a set of leaders who are really like people aware now and really like understand like the that balance between tech people and organization. Uh way before that not necessarily that. Um think like our, that's really serving our industry. Well the that's on two hear. Do you think yes, COVID so. changed that? I I'm not sure with directly COVID. I think like the shortage of engineers in our, in, in a lot of markets has definitely shifted expectations yeah. Uh, I think like a, a lot of people, officers or CEO understood that actually engineering are just not like coding monkeys, uh, cod- coders, and monkeys, and they needed to actually receive a bit of love. And therefore, the whole soft side of actually understanding engineering, needing to have that voice of engineering or that voice of tech to be able to converse with the CTO has probably changed a bit because like, it became like a bit of a prime asset in organization. Therefore, like the scrutiny um, uh, of the management of it has probably shifted as
0: well.
4: Yeah. So actually, yeah, I think it's a good point. It's probably shifted. Yeah. I think there's a lot more focus on relationships, right? People are going, actually, relationships aren't just in my personal life. What is work? It's relationships. You know, how do I how I work with the team? Well, wow. <laughs> every person who I'm working with is just another relationship, isn't it? Honest? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I think like uh,
1: yeah tech people have been really like uh, thinking about what's the point of work, what, why I'm doing that, what type of organization I want to work for, with who. It's also just about the product. Uh, uh, it's not just about the stack, it's about the product and uh, or with whom you're building that as well. That became important. And I think the CTO, the head of engineering, becomes custodian of that engineering culture um so yeah i think that's our yeah like any other field in the, world. the the field is evolving and growing but i think it's evolving into a lot like they the good thing like more mature i find so it's great good. awesome
0: well uh well thanks for joining guys, really in, guys. Really